strap yourselves in because the energy and enthusiasm this woman has for life is absolutely infectious. I first met Sarah Wiley back in 2019 and with her vast life experiences across the sports and healthcare industries, plus raising two beautiful children and also being a modern day ninja warrior, I thought Sarah was the ideal person to speak to about embracing equity, the global theme for this year's International Women's Day celebrations. Let's jump into it and say hello to my favourite person from Richmond Footy Club. We aren't all created equal. We're all bought into this world, but not everyone. It's not an even playing field across across the board, and I, I witnessed that firsthand. I'm your host, Rebecca Miller, and on behalf of People to You, we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and pay our respects to elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Welcome, Sarah Wiley. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Rebecca Miller, how are you? I'm all the better for seeing your face and hearing your voice. Yeah, it's different not having you around the club, that's for sure. Oh, I, I do miss it. It still seems a bit surreal, to be honest. I keep thinking, oh, yeah, I'll be popping down to the club any day soon. So, yeah, it's still, it's still adjusting to that. So for those who, who are listening, uh, Sarah Wiley first started at Richmond back in 2018? Yeah. The, before the, the BFLW? 20, yeah, 2018, uh, when Kate Sheehan threw a chance sort of meeting at our son's Auskick sessions at South Melbourne Bloods. Uh, we met each other and Kate Jean was approached by Richmond Football Club to start up the uh, women's program at the Richmond Football Club, uh, which was a very exciting, you know, venture. And she was very excited to be part of it and pioneering, you know, a, a new sport within it, yeah, within its infancy and, and creating a, a, an elite program within an already elite establishment. And so through our meetings on those Sunday mornings and where I was at in my life after being a paramedic and transitioning out out of that career, Kate said, I think it'd be great if you interviewed for the role of the player development manager and went down, had a, ro- a lovely interview with Neil Baum and Tim Livingston and Kate and had a good chat. And it was just before Christmas. That was the end of 2017. And then they said, yep, jump on board for the upcoming 2018 season. And they were hopeful um, initially in the in the pitching that we would have had an AFLW licence before the 2020. Um, but in hindsight, it was such a great transition for us to you know we we were building a a program from next to nothing you know from the change rooms from equipment from staff from players you know it was you know very rare to be involved in almost like a startup business within a um (laughs) within a, a thriving industry and so it was actually great to sort of have those two years and seeing the program grow and evolve from when it started and where it's going is so exciting because it's it's just the beginning and it's building to something, you know, so special. And you've been an absolute legend in my eyes since you first got there since 20, in 2018 and just recently left at the, at the end of 2022. But, you know, your service to the club and the program was, was something super special. And I always said from the get-go when I first met you back in 2019 that you were my favourite person in the club. You, well, you'd pick up a call. <laughs> any time you would go the extra mile and you just always had a smile on your dial I don't think I've ever seen you unhappy or frustrated so yeah I've I've loved getting to know you and um yeah having you in our corner for so long I'm still in the corner still always cheering <laughs> loud <laughs> and it's been an absolute pleasure <laughs> likewise now as I mentioned at the top of the show uh you've had some really important roles in your life Wiley Cody and um you know for those who also don't no, Wiley Cody was uh, was a Ninja Warrior nickname, so you might hear me <laughs> refer to that throughout the show. But, yeah, you've had some important roles in your life, you know, being a registered nurse, paramedic, first aid educator, as well as Richmond's player development manager. Can you run us through some key takeaways from each of these roles? 
Yeah, oh gosh, I'm I'm old when I start listing off all those things that I've done in my career so far. I think, yeah, it's sort of been an interesting transition in terms of, you know, going, finishing high school. One could say that the academic studies back in that time when I was a young 18-year-old, I excelled at partying and living a good life and so forth, but the academic studies probably uh, not, not on the strongest front, but lots of life learnings, one could say. Uh, I got into <laughs> nursing by, by chance, really, but in hindsight, again, it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me in terms of the doors that that opened and the opportunities that came from that. Seeing my score at the end of year 12 and I think to my parents discussed, they were like, oh gosh, what are you going to do, Sarah? And looked around and, and it was fantastic. And I, I got into university and I sort of excelled and started to thrive in that space and really enjoyed the learnings that I, uh, you know, was, was occurring at university. And I think being thrown into a career that, you know, I hadn't really sort of uh, entertained before. Uh, I knew I liked sport and, and I was thinking physio originally, but nursing, I, I loved the holistic approach and, and sort of getting to help patients in, you know, from all different walks of life. So, yeah, met some amazing people along the way, really enjoyed my nursing. And I started back in the day at sort of Monash Hospital and, and ended up in intensive care. And I really liked the critical care areas and, the you know, the challenges that came with working with um, critically ill patients and um, not only the patients themselves but the extended families and I loved uh, being a part of that environment and helping and then travelled overseas and worked in Scotland nursing over there at the Edinburgh Royal Infirmary which was almost like a step back in time in terms of different dynamics and the way that the nursing fraternity was regarded back then it was very military rank style and there wasn't wow. as much of a team based approach to patient care which was which very much the the way it was in my experience here in in Melbourne. What took you to Scotland then to nurse over there? Uh, so in between finishing um, my nursing degree, I backpacked around Western Europe for five months and I loved, I got the travel bug and I loved Scotland <laughs> and I always wanted to go over and work overseas and experience different communities and cultures and, and what that had to offer. And so, yeah, yeah, took the opportunity, got my two-year working visa and off I off I went to the Bonnie Land. I'd travelled there before and, and, and decided that that's where I thought I'd yeah, end up, and I think my liver's still recovering from the experiences over there. But anyway, it was it was good. <laughs> life experiences, life experiences. Did you say, Wiley Cody? It opened my eyes very early. Things that can be done differently, and and the way that you know we learn things here, and the opportunities that we have isn't always the same throughout the world and in different countries. And again, lots of learnings. And I loved nursing over there. I worked with amazing people, had great experiences, and then ended up you know doing some more travelling before heading back to Australia. So through Africa and some wow. more exotic places. And and then when I I came back, I had relatives that were paramedics, and always thought that was an area that I found quite interesting, the dynamic nature of, of that industry, that no day is ever the same, no job you ever go to is ever the same, the ever-changing environment. And I was just so used to sort of seeing a patient almost pre-packaged by the time that they got to us, but seeing and helping people in, in that acute critical phase in environments I thought would be quite challenging and rewarding at the same time. So when I got back, and that was early 2000s, I um, embarked on a career as a paramedic. You've almost gone, you know, you started nursing, which was sort of the back end, the finishing, trying to get them back to full health. And then you've gone back getting to the start with the acute phase. Yeah, yeah. How yeah, the, getting the them fascinating there. full circle. 
It is, and I think, but they all lead into one another and, and sort of helped being a nurse. I, I, every day I use my nursing skills. I am very grateful that I did that transition that way because I think it made me a, a better paramedic for it and had a greater understanding of the things ahead for patients and families and the challenges that lay ahead from the medical point of view and being able to yeah get them there and, and do what I can to really make a difference. And also just once I got to, to the hospital as well in the emergency department, just knowing the expectations and what can occur from there and, and helping that the patients and their families understand that. That is fascinating, Sarah. With the wonderful experiences and life learnings you gathered over in Europe and Africa, how did that help you during the transition from nursing to paramedicine? I mean, Africa was a, a was a huge eye opener for me in terms of seeing snapshots because I was only I sort of only was there for four months through through different parts of Africa and but in that that short time that I was there, just seeing we aren't all created equal. We're all brought into this world, but not everyone. It's not an even playing field across across the board. And I, I witnessed that firsthand in some of the communities that, that I was going through. And even within certain countries of Africa, the vast diversity that you can come across. And it gave me a great appreciation and understanding that, you know, it's important that we acknowledge and recognise that, you know, we are all very unique and very different and we all have our own stories and upbringings. Mm. And I treat everybody with the utmost care and respect, regardless of who you are, where you're from, you know I think that that's really important and I continue to live by those life lessons. Well that's probably a really good segue you've spoken about not everyone has equal opportunities and the reason why I've got you on this podcast is to I guess highlight International Women's Day for this year the global theme this year is embracing equity the best Mm. way I describe equity is you know there are four people there's a disabled woman a grown man yourself Sarah just a a grown woman and a 10 year old boy they're all given the same bike but If we were to embrace equity, you'd give the disabled woman a bike to her disabled impairments and then you'd give a grown man a bike that is his size, you'd give a grown woman a bike their size and then you'd give a kid a bike their size, you know. So whilst it's not the same bike, which is sort of a quality, you're making something suited to everyone's individual needs, which is equity. That's the the best way I can sort of interpret and envision equity in in my mind. What does, I guess, embracing equity mean for you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really great one. And I think, you know, even for myself, there was sort of, you know, confusion, equity, you know, isn't it the kind of the same as equality and, and so forth. I define equity is that, you know, we should strive to treat everyone fairly and acknowledge that we are all unique and different, but everyone should have that opportunity to be successful and succeed uh, in any given opportunity that, that they have. I actually, just before we jumped on uh, to this podcast, I actually watched a, a really interesting little YouTube video, which I hadn't seen before, back from 2019, and it was okay. from um, ANZ Equal Future pocket money video. I don't know if you've you've seen it or, or heard of that one, but it kind of, in, in one aspect, when we, when we talk about equity, it kind of related to sort of pay equity and sort of ask yep. the sort of questions, do people who do the same job get paid the same or, or get paid fairly? And what happened in this? little video is really it's, it's quite a cute little video there's kids they film the kids and they're doing uh little chores around the house and and there's lots of different groups of kids and they and and they're doing just some some basic jobs around the house and at the end of their the video they're given rewards based on whether they were girls or boys and it's really interesting to see the reactions and the children's responses to to that reward when the boys were given say ten dollars and the girls were given five and they were like, but 
Yeah. We did exactly the same job. How, why is that happening? And, you know, I can appreciate that sort of, you know, in, in reality as well, you know, there are complex things when it does come to pay equity and so forth, like qualifications and experience, but like in its basic form, I think that's a really great way to sort of, yeah, summarise equity and... Yeah, look at it as well. But, yeah, really cute video. I mean, I guess you know, when we have those other factors of qualifications and experience that get factored in there for what a person can make, gender shouldn't come into it at all. It's irrelevant. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And you've obviously been such a, a wonderful person in your career across all these different and important roles, you know, RNs and paramedic like that is you're dealing with people's lives as well as their family and friends which you touched on in highly stressful situations in your opinion what progress has been made in these industries plus you've also had the experience at Richmond so part of women's sport or the sporting industry as a whole you know there are a couple examples where there have been some huge improvements in equity in terms of I I think I know from um I remember sort of when I first started as a as a paramedic. Just one example, for um, for instance, was um, you know every every patient that often we we take to hospital gets transported on a stretcher, and that you know you work with different people with different heights and and so forth and different strengths and different genders and and all sorts of things. But the the height of the the stretcher goes in on one level, and you know there was a lot of challenges when that happened. Like if the other person you walked with was quite tall and, you know, we have to lower the stretcher down and sadly being um, on the shorter side, you know, it was it was <laughs> quite a lift for me to to even lift this stretcher up to get, you know, a, a patient into the back of the ambulance. And I'm, I'm really happy to say that over the years that's that's evolved and changed on, on many different ways. And now it's electric, so it's it's irrelevant of, of the height and, it, and we're able to perform the paramedics out there today, regardless of, of their height, gender or anything, are able to perform a, a simple skill within their within their practice really easily with no inhibitions, like the bicycle scenario. That was a real practical one there. But what I've seen is that, from, from my experience and still speaking to my colleagues, is that people are getting curious about this space and asking the questions. Mm. And I think that's really important that we that we do that and we look out for each other and, you know, be respectful and think about how others, you know, experience the world and how we can give them those opportunities to be able to be successful in their careers and, and whatever they do. What are some initiatives either small or large companies can implement to embrace equity for their diverse employee base? For example, yourself being a single mother, I'm sure flexibility in the working space would be something you would love, you know, with school drop-offs and kids coming down sick with COVID and all that sort of jazz. Are there any other initiatives in the business world you can think of? Yeah. Oh, look, I think flexibility is a massive one. The world and the way that it's operating now in in post-COVID space, I I think that is a massive one. But I did read an interesting statistic before we jumped on that in Australia, just over half of organisations actually analyse their pay data gap between genders. And 29% of companies within Australia actually report the, the differences. I think that that could be a huge start to sort of explore those avenues and that, that was quite a startling statistic for me to hear, yeah, actually. That so is, that's a massive one for me. That's huge. I was like, that's, there's a start. <laughs> we can boost that up a bit. 
And, and, and but that then ripples on to, you know, bigger impacts, that, you know, like being able on a single income now, being able to provide for my children as a, you know, I, I'm the sole breadwinner in my household. Mm. I have to put a roof over my head. I have to put food on my kids' table. And it's a big thing. And, and I know that I know within the ambulance and, and paramedic services that that kind of gender gap was void because it was it wasn't, you know, we got paid the same regardless, even the same for Ninja Warrior. You know, we did the same course. Didn't matter if we were male or female. We did the same course, same obstacles, same prize money. It didn't change. Now looking at different career paths and what that entails, I, I would hope that that would be the same across the board, but I, I don't think it is. Well, I think that's a, a, a huge takeaway for, for listeners, you know, whether they're business owners or employees, but to, to start that conversation or ask the question, that's a huge takeaway. So thank you very much, Wiley yeah. Cody. We can't go any further without speaking about what you just mentioned. You just dropped it, Ninja <laughs> Warrior. Uh, give us an insight into what that was like. That was back in 2020. Is there going to be another appearance on the cards? Oh, look, I would love to. It was the most interesting way how it came about. Again, almost like the nursing uh, degree. It wasn't really <laughs> planned. <laughs> But no, in all seriousness, the, the sort of the motivating factor for me, um, my son uh, at the time, he was nine. I, I, actually, when I ran the course, it was his 10th birthday and he came into the audience and, and watched. And that was actually at the very start of COVID. So it was quite a unique time. But during that, that year, he loved Ninja Warrior and and I, I just thought it would be a great platform for him to come on that journey with me, but also to show that, you know, we, we can overcome, you know, uh, adversity and challenges and, you know, you know if we can work hard and, and put our mind to it, we can really achieve some some amazing great things. And it's, mm. you know, it's not always a, a straight path across the way, a lot of bumps along the road, few injuries here and there, but applied and got on, I had the most amazing experience. And I ran the course at two in the morning. I was the oldest female competitor that night but got the furthest I was absolutely wrapped and it was the highlight of my son's 10th birthday and having both him and Emmy on the sidelines cheering me on I will never never forget it and I could hear them screaming from the sideline and and I think yeah that he, again from that experience he saw how hard I worked and that it wasn't easy but again it, it goes back to sort of the equity they didn't change the the height of the obstacles for me they didn't say oh you, you're you're a bit old we'll, we'll shorten that distance for you it was interesting and you are an absolute superwoman and I know Will and Amy would feel so lucky to have you as their mother that's for sure they're very good kids. I'm very, very grateful I have I have them in my life. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Will and your son, Will, and your daughter, Imi. They're both IVF babies. I was very fortunate that uh, Modern Medicine was able uh, to help. I didn't know uh, they were IVF happen. babies. That's incredible. Yeah, they are, yeah. They're actually twins So they because they were from the same batch with the same, same egg, one batch of sperm. Yeah eggs but as Amy said she goes I was born on ice I was frozen for two years and put back in <laughs> and she goes that's why I love eating ice blocks mum I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> really cute she's got you there and I feel fortunate that I do have the ability that I can you know show the children you know the different sports and different experiences that are out there I love traveling with them we went over to Indonesia which Off was amazing off the grid was quite interesting and I think they've done quite a lot of traveling when they've been even from from a young age over to Europe and things like that but as they get older you know they take in different things and it was it was a real eye-opener for them as well seeing you know in Sumba in Indonesia as well where we we were staying was as very remote off the grid uh, low socioeconomic there was no fancy shops there was nothing there was kids you know living in 
you know, little um, huts made out of bamboo and, and no electricity and toilets were squat toilets down the down the street. And and we lived in that too. You know, we were there for, you know, two weeks and it was we still talk about it every day, the impact and how amazing that was. And, you know, they met some beautiful locals and they still, you know, connect with them and um oh. yeah, it's it, and that every day, when are we going back to Sumba? When are we going back to Sumba? You know, <laughs> eating off the land, living off the land, catching fish. Um, yeah. Yes, sounds almost life changing for Will and Imogen. It was, I, I, yeah, it really was. It kind of it gave them some insight and and some gratitude as well to kind of yeah you know realize that you know they are very lucky to live where they are and and have access to the resources and and sports and and things that they are and and when they have little meltdowns I I often remind them and and just let's get some perspective here and and I think you know at the age of ten and thirteen like to start to you know instill those those important life lessons and that you know we we treat how we retreat and respect everybody will hopefully hold them in good stead for when they're older and and, you know take on their own adventures and yeah and speaking about when they're when they're older because you know one's already a teenager so I'm sure the time will go quick you know when when you picture a world they'll live in as adults how do you picture it in terms of opportunities of what to teach them I would really hope that I can't believe how fast, you know, how, how quickly time's going and, you know, we've come so far and, you know, there's still a long way to go and I hope that one eye still in them and that we start to see more and recognise that, you know, we all do start from different places in, in our life and we're all unique and we should be given opportunities to be successful with our given opportunities and I want them to help and be voices in that space for themselves and for others to have those conversations with their friends now and instil the lessons that they learn from the opportunities that they've had in their life and don't think take things for granted and look at you know all their friends and not just look at what they need individually think just beyond you know the superficial level and treating everyone the same doesn't always result in equity because we're not all the same well said i'll always remember will obviously as a very young young guy curly hair with his headband all the energy but one story that sticks out for me is you know late 2022 I was lucky enough to be part of a a furphy ad campaign for AFLW with a few other teams and as part of that ad campaign you know there was outdoor signage around Melbourne and down Geelong you know in shopping centres at train stations at bus stops I got a text message from you one time you went to your local Coles or Woolies and Mm -hmm. you know I was I was on a billboard at the front you you mentioned how excited Will got coming up the escalator when he saw my face on that billboard and I thought how how cool is that yeah he absolutely still talks about it to this day and every time we go to that shopping center he goes oh my gosh that's where we saw Vicky Miller and you know being part of the football program as well for both of the kids and and you know um obviously we had a few years with lockdown in there but even seeing on zoom and hearing the conversations that they've been part of in in the background or how much you know we're, we're pioneering the sport and the conversations that are happening greater than football as a result is, is really yeah. empowering and, and I think we see that and hopefully, you know, as the generations come, it continues to occur. We are almost at the end. I would love to keep chatting to you for hours and hours, but you're a busy, busy woman, so I won't keep <laughs> you for too much longer. Do you have any predictions for women in the workforce in 2023 and beyond, whether that's business or sport or both? Oh, predictions. I hope we... Keep asking the hard questions, pushing the boundaries, opening the doors, having the conversations like we are having now, which 
sparks greater conversations, greater opportunities and closes the gap in many different ways. Well said. That's a <laughs> mic drop if ever I've heard one, Wiley oh, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Victorians love their coffees. So what is your coffee order? Not that you oh, need it for any energy purposes. Oh, no. Every, it's the first thing I do in my ritual every morning, get up and have my coffee. It's an oat milk magic. Oat milk magic. Uh, from a shop or from a, a, oh, a machine shop. you have at home? No, no, a shop. It, again, I love my morning chat <laughs> no, with, no. My, with my barista. Oh, absolutely. it's. Oh, I love it. So we go there, have my chats, and then I go home. Uh, even the kids know, oh, mummy hasn't had her coffee, don't talk to her just yet. She just needs a little, you know, accept her time. Love the oat milk magic. And I'm, it's got so bad. I'm even fussy on the type of oat milk that I have. Wiley, Cody, I just want to say a huge thank you from the bottom of my heart um, for this wonderful conversation and, you know, for being so vulnerable with uh, with lots of different topics and couldn't think of a more perfect guest than yourself to talk about embracing equity for International Women's Day. So thank you and uh, good luck for your next chapter and, uh, yeah, we'll be cheering for you from the sidelines. Thank you, Rebecca Miller. Always a pleasure and I'll be cheering very loudly for you and the, and the, and the girls this year. Go Tigers! <laughs> Go the Tigers, eh? Go the Tigers. Oh. <laughs> You're a busy person, so thanks for listening to this episode. We appreciate you. If you like this episode, why not share it with your mates? Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We have some brilliant guests coming up that you won't want to miss. People to you. People for here, there, anywhere. To find the ANZ Equal Future video Wiley Cody spoke about during this podcast or read more about the workplace statistics mentioned, head to our show notes for the links where you can also find our website if you wish to contact us.